0: It is Easter Passover Mega Weekend. Are you cooking? What are you cooking? I did not cook hot cross buns, but I did have a hot cross bun for breakfast that I got from, oh, Baker's Field, our artisanal bakery. I love that they buy local flowers; They make them into local things. It's just a delicious place. All right. You know me. I need to know what is going on, what you're cooking. I know this is one of the bigger cooking holidays. What are you up to? It's a big baking holiday. Who out there is making Easter Bunny brioches? Who is making fancy Russian saffron bread? What are you doing? All right, text me, 81807. Someone every year tries to make marshmallow peeps. Is it you? Have you taken on that crazy task? Are you just in your kitchen listening to me, like, covered head to toe in a web of sugar? Maybe. All right, so here's all the things we're going to do today. I have one of the up-and-coming stars of New Ways of Eating, Cassie Joy Garcia. She's going to be joining us. I am... Going to answer your questions. We are not preempted by the Twins, even though they have a double header. So plenty of time. So start filling up the text line, 81807. I am, after I leave here, going to Liquor Boy in St. Louis Park, and I'll be picking out wine for people. If you didn't buy your wine yet for tomorrow, come come and meet me. I'll be there from 1 to 3. I also have coconut macaron recipes, including one by Cassie Joy Garcia. Those are all up at the website, wccoradio.com. And if you got any other cooking things that are going on, drinking things that are going on, text me, 81807. I live to serve. And then I eat so that I can better serve you, and then that's a good part of my day, so that's super fun for me. Also, wine. So, all things, 81807, Dara. Cassie Joy Garcia's already on the line. She... Is She's a name you're going to know if you don't know it already. She has the Fed and Fit website, um, and she's got this just kind of very groovy Instagram, new universe of eating and fooding, and she knows how to make things gluten-free and grain-free. She knows how to make things in big batches. That's what her new book is about, Cook Once, Eat All Week. And I'm just really excited. I've never talked to Cassie Jo before and Cassie Joy, rather, and she is here today. So, Cassie Joy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Your book is so amazing.
1: Oh, thank you. It was a labor of love.
0: All right. So, everybody, this book, the subtitle is 26 Weeks of Gluten-Free Affordable Meal Prep to Preserve Your Time and Sanity. And it's it's a really neat way of doing things. So, you know, every week kind of starts with, like, Three big ingredients. So you're going to get five pounds of ground chicken or you're going to get a brisket and you're going to do a whole bunch of things with them. But then each of which is like a brilliant idea in and of itself and speaks to the way that I live and a lot of us live. But then on top of that, she has modifications for every single one. So it's like if you're grain free, if you're paleo, if you're and it kind of starts to be like a a cross-referencing chemistry Uh, like tour de force that kind of blew me out of the water. So Cassie, I have so many questions for you, but let's like first totally back it up. How did you come into the food universe?
1: So I grew up, I grew up in a wonderful home. My mom is an incredible cook and I always was the one that volunteered to make dinner if you know, if she ever worked late or had something like that going on. And so it was very natural. I always loved playing in the kitchen. So like as a a kid, kid, as a teenager, when did that start? I would say that I really started helping, genuinely helping. The first thing I ever made was fettuccine Alfredo. And I want to, I want to say that that was right around 12, I was 11 or 12. And before that, of course, I would rinse off the, the, green beans at Thanksgiving dinner. My mom would give me credit for having made them entirely. (laughs) She had filled a lot of confidence with me growing up. And then I went to college and lived on campus and ate on campus food for two full years at Texas A&M University. And that was a good experience, but I really missed home cooking. And I wound up not being really healthy through that whole experience, too much pizza, too many burritos, and really started to tap back into my roots, figure out how to be well by eating whole foods and wanted to make it interesting and not make it feel like diet food. So So the the
0: kind of your origin story that your press people put out is like you were twenty four and evidently ten dress sizes too big when, you know, you started really digging into that. Is that true or is that just the
1: legend? It is true. That's true. Yes. I when I by the time I graduated from college I had, I had some symptoms that I didn't know were optional, but of course my pant size was the one that I paid attention to because I thought that the size of my pants equated to how healthy I was. That, right this was before a whole sure. lot of being healthy and well um, at every size was really a part of uh, what folks were talking about. And so I finally, when I figured out inflammatory versus anti-inflammatory foods and I pursued nutrition as a profession and learned more about it, and I switched the t- the quality of foods that were showing up on my plate with less of an emphasis on quantity, because before that it was just calories in, calories out. And when I switched over to really high quality foods, and then high quality workouts, you know, I did some weight bearing activities. My body really changed a lot. And I did. I went from a size twelve fourteen to about a size two four. In that time, now of course I've had a baby and. Things are different all over again, but I, uh, it was, it was miraculous. But the things that really struck with me more than anything was the fact that my extreme knee and hip pain in my early twenties, all of a sudden went away. So I'd really reduced inflammation overall. Headaches had started to dissipate. Uh, I had more energy. I slept better at night, more focused. And those were the things, those were those wins and those nuggets that I didn't want to ever have to give up again.
0: And so tell me about that, that studying nutrition, because that's such a a minefield now, you know, when you were studying nutrition, were you getting the, you know, the kind of official advice of like, don't eat any fats and eat more carbs and all of those kind of things? Or, or, Or what was that? What was that studying? What was
1: that like? It's a really good question, because there's a Bunch of programs out there. If someone's listening and this is a profession that they might want to pursue, there's a lot of options available to you. I wound up choosing a school. It was called Bowman College, and it's somewhere in the middle ground because if you go through a state-funded program, you're gonna part of your nutrition uh, curriculum is going to follow the food pyramid, and and I think we most folks know at this point that the food pyramid doesn't necessarily set you up for optimal health. And so, but so it's a little bit more dogmatic of some of those programs, whereas I wound up going with one that was somewhere in the middle of the road. I wanted someone, although I had a nutrition bias, um, I think maybe slightly less emphasis on really processed foods, right, and grains. I wanted to learn the nutrition benefits of them so that I could understand both sides and then be able to support folks who wanted to eat whatever it is that they wanted to eat. Um, So it was pretty interesting. I did a lot of homework and research on food quality that um, has since I've decided to take kind of a bias towards higher quality pieces but it was really it was really interesting there's there's a lot of options for folks who want to study nutrition
0: I know because a lot I was just uh, noticing the American Dietetic Association finally this week is just recommending that uh, people with diabetes avoid highly processed carbs and it's like I, s- I swear like we have like so many people have been saying that for 20 years mm-hmm. um that you know uh different flours basically can work in your body like sugars and that to 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 do that um you know to if you have diabetes to avoid some of these foods is like kind of you know 101 uh but then you'll just get i uh, just consistently see nutrition advice and you know oh this drives me crazy you'll see uh hospitals just you know loading up trays with different kinds of sugars you know different mm-hmm. jellos and different um and it's like that's not a great way to heal and so it's a it's a difficult i think it's incredibly difficult to be a a real you know real dietitian a real nutritionist because it's just like a Uh, so much bad information in the space and so many people that are entrenched, committed to bad information. I really like your book because you're just straight there with like high quality foods, you know, cabbages, collards, uh, brisket, like really just right there with like the foods that people have eaten for a really long time and not, you know, a jello packet and a gravy packet and another packet. Uh, But it's it just strikes me as like a Just such a difficult world to get into. And then on top of that, people get so passionate. Everybody is a vegan or they're, you know, the other thing. Like uh, to take on cooking in this space, like I think you're very brave.
1: (laughs) Thank you. There are times where you feel a little bit like a Lone Ranger. But I will say that the emails and notes and messages through social media makes it so easy to connect with people now. Who will tell you how much you've empowered or helped? It makes it all worth it. Just it, just one of those, and I'm and I'm good. I'll I'll keep trucking.
0: And so, did you start with a website? Did you start with an Instagram pro, You know, presence. Where did you start, kind of building your Fed and Fit universe?
1: So I started my website started before there was an Instagram, and and Facebook was around, but I don't. It really was not what it is today. Back in 2011 is when I kicked things off. Bought my domain and started posting recipes there, and it it started off as really just a personal blog to share because I was so obviously different and had gone through this health transformation. To the folks that knew me, everyone was asking, or most were asking, "What are you doing? What are you eating? And how are you making all this happen?" And it, yes, it was foods on the plate, and yes, it was a type of workout I was doing. But I thought I felt that it was more of a mindset shift that I that really made the biggest difference in pursuing a healthy lifestyle. And so I thought this is this is too big of a conversation just to have in one off cocktail parties. So I decided to start Fed and Fit as an as an opportunity to share those things, have a landing page for everything to be shared. And it just grew organically. It's just I'm still in awe of how that happened and it's been a huge blessing, but going on eight years this summer.
0: Eight years. And so I kind of love that. So you're just, everyone's always asking you the same question at cocktail parties. They're like, what do you eat? What do you eat? And finally, you're just like, go to fedandfit.com. I have it all. <laughs> um, it is, it is tough because uh, people are always asking me kind of what I eat. And I'm a restaurant critic and a oh, wine and, you know, drinks critic. And so I'm always sort of out there in the universe eating all the things. But when I'm home, you know, it's basically, very simple. I just kind of stick with uh, vegetables and um, meats and beans and just you know really. Mm-hmm. aside for today, where I had a hot cross bun for breakfast, but it's Easter. What are you going to do? <laughs> um,
1: that sounds lovely.
0: <laughs> it is. I'd like to participate in the universe. I I love all the holidays. Um, I love all the holidays. That's a thing. So, it it's uh you know it's tough because people don't want. People want, like, a little more of a, like, miracle answer than that, I think. They never want, like, it's basic foods. It's making the time to feed myself. Um, I did an event this week where I was talking to some people, and this woman was like, but how can people cook when no one has any time? And this is, like, my new thing, where it's like, do you not have time? Like, do you – are you watching Netflix? Are you, like, is it really possible – because that's one of the things that you do is that you make this like it's a big cooking project on the weekend and then you and then the week comes and you're prepared for it, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Yep. And that's and it's a, and it's an undertaking when folks transition to a healthier lifestyle, right? They want to make more of like you're saying, those just whole foods, the vegetables and the proteins and the beans when you when you really want to start having more home cooked food showing up on your table. If you're coming from the world of mostly convenience foods, it's an undertaking. It's a, it's a time commitment that's going to be different. And that's one of the pain points that we kept getting from our readers is that it's too much time. It's too much time to cook all of this. It's too expensive. And it's too much of a labor to plan it all out. So we put our heads together to come up with a solution.
0: All right. We're going to take a little break here and uh, do some commercials. We're going to come back with Cassie Joy, and we're going to talk about some of the details in the book. For I know I'm already getting texts from people who are... You know, tentative cooks. Of, you know, where to start. How, what's the best way to start? I'm going to talk to Cassie Joy about that when we come back. Dara here. All right, we're having a good off the menu on this mega Passover Easter weekend. What are you cooking? I have the message line open. I was just looking. Somebody's got a leg of lamb going. I love to hear that. That's a that's a tradition. That's beautiful. What What about you? Who out there is making peeps? Come on, confess! You're you're covered with food coloring. The whole house is powdered sugar, right? That's what you're up to. Can I say something real quick to the people that are Jonathan. trying to to uh, to make peeps today? Yes. God bless you. God bless you. God bless all. you, one and all. Every cooking project goes somewhere, and I've got Cassie Joy Garcia on the phone. She is she's the author of the new book cook once eat all week if you're trying to get your life in hand if you want to be able to actually eat homemade food the way people say you should the way I always say you should then you this is a really good place to start all right Cassie if someone is just kind of tiptoeing into the world of home cooking where do you think they start
1: oh I think that a great place to start I just tackle three dinners in in the week that you thats think that your family will enjoy, that if you have any special dietary considerations, you know, that kind of is the um, lowest common denominator. If everybody can get behind ground beef, potatoes, and spinach, then whip up that one night, right? So you've got a really good win in your back pocket. But start by tackling maybe three weeknight dinners and just see how, see, build that muscle as time goes on.
0: I liked I was looking through your book and uh, in like one of the weeks you have, where you just get a, a big old roast chicken and then you get green beans and Yukon gold potatoes and you can just turn it into so many things. There's, you know, so the first day you're kind of roasting everything. And then, you know, for, for leftovers, you could do, you've got a chicken bacon ranch casserole or a lemon ginger chicken stir fry. I think it's just such a, that's like exactly how people used to, because like don't waste anything. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. But a, a whole roasted chicken is not only budget-friendly, right, because you're you're getting, you get the whole bird. You're always, your dollar's going to go a little bit further when you go whole hog, maybe not literally a whole hog, but if you get the whole chicken or maybe a brisket, like some of those bigger bulk pieces, you have a lot of versatility, but you also get to take that roasted bird, and once it's cooked, let's say you take off the legs and the wings, and you can use those on a crispy sheet pan right you just season them toss them in some sort of a dressing and bake it till they're crispy again and then the breasts you can cube or shred and use it in some sort of a salad or a casserole that's just like you're saying don't we don't waste anything the dollar goes a lot further and you have a lot of variety
0: and you also are teaching yourself some really big skills right because roasting a chicken that's one of those ones that'll that'll hold you through your whole life
1: It will, and it's not as scary as it sounds. For those who, I I think, cook once, eat all week. I've gotten messages from folks who have followed our method for roasting a chicken. We have, on several weeks, two whole roasted chickens to help get you through these three big dinners. And folks that have messaged me saying, this is the first time I've successfully roasted a chicken. I don't know why I waited so long to try it. It's really easy.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of of messaging in the culture that, like, Things are hard, and it's going to go wrong. Like my personal pet peeve is those uh, you're doing it wrong stories that just seem to proliferate on the internet. Like uh, they're just be like, rice, you're doing it wrong. It's like, are you? <laughs> like it's just rice. Like chances are you're gonna get there in the end. It's not that hard.
1: That's such a good point. Yep. That's a great point. It's it's if it's edible and chewable and you enjoy it, then you did just fine.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you can, you know, you can finesse it as you go along. Um let's talk about some of the so you're really like on the nutrition cutting edge here. You've got all of the all of the substitutes. It's kinda of daunting, but you've, you know, coconut aminos instead of soy sauce for people that are allergic to soy. Or uh you know, you've got all of these ideas, every recipe that you do comes with options for paleo or dairy-free or, you know, different major allergens. Is that, are you you finding a lot of people are cooking that way?
1: I am actually, you know, in, as a nutritionist that we, I had to put that in there because I work with so many folks who do have dietary restrictions and it's just such a, it's such a sad feeling when you feel lost and like there aren't any recipes that you can cook from and work with. And I really wanted this to be a resource for as many folks as possible. So if you have, for example, or somebody in your family, maybe you have a kid that cannot tolerate nuts, I want you to know that there's an index in the back of this book and you can scroll through, you can pick the weeks that don't have nuts or have modifications and make something for the whole family instead of having to do one-off meals. I do come across that a lot Our folks constantly feel like they're fenced in and can't be very creative and can't enjoy some of these resources because of their restrictions. So we wanted to make sure that there was a nod to them.
0: And it's, uh, I mean, it's not just, a, <laughs> it's like so much more beyond a nod. I do know tons of people who will have, you know, like one, like the dad in the family uh, goes gluten free and then, you know, everybody has to go gluten free or you're, you know, you're a, a short order cook making 25 meals. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, exactly. That is that's a, that's a really good point, point. and it is the whole book is automa- is already gluten free because I have to eat gluten free. So those are the recipes that I start with. But I think that if you're a family that's not gluten free, this is still a resource that you can enjoy because we wanted to make sure it was still great for the whole the whole palette at the table. But yeah, it's we, I wanted you I want the, the cooks of the family. I wanted them to be able to have something that they could use and make, and everybody could enjoy it. So
0: talk to me about, so you've got this very large internet presence. I was poking around on your Instagram. You've got like 100,000 followers. What, you know, so if you're the next Martha Stewart, what is, what is like your generation care about? Because I feel like the Martha generation was very caring about like making a perfect home and, you know, visually perfect, like serene, you know, convey the idea of hominess. What do you feel like your generation is most interested in when in terms of like cooking and making that good home?
1: You know, I think that I, I find that the pendulum, I was thinking about, you know, all the misinformation that, that was published, let's say 50 years ago, right. We were saying at the very beginning of our conversation, about low fat being the best choice and carbohydrates weren't even a consideration for those with diabetes. I think there was just so much information and folks felt so fenced in and out of touch with what made good sense, right? What what our grandparents ate, what our great parents' great grandparents ate, what was real food. I think it's swinging back the other way. And I have found that my generation and my readers are really excited to personalize wellness and tap back into their roots, right? They're really excited to just Make things from scratch, and and then take a deep breath and know that nutritionally it makes sense for, you know, their bodies, that their their spouse, their children, their unborn children. You know, it's just they're going to take really good care of themselves by following things that finally just make sense, uh, and and then personalizing it from there. If your family really enjoys, I don't know, any any one particular food, or if you like to go, maybe you eat rice, but you don't like to eat. Pasta, you know, there's there's a place for that. Nobody's going to tell you that you need to fence yourself in in any one exact um, dietary restriction. So I just I just find that people are excited to be to explore more in the kitchen and to just make things work for their families.
0: Yeah, and to I mean, I I wonder what the long term repercussions are going to be when we've just basically had a generation of bad dietary advice, right? And so people yeah. have seen their. Grandparents and their parents just get sick and sicker on this terrible advice. And it's mm-hmm. like, why would you, you know, you, it, it's just going to make a generation skeptical. And you know, resistant to like mainstream advice, which I think is probably good because mainstream advice has led a lot of people to just having flour and and pesticides and you know and mm-hmm. it's not been and sugar, and it hasn't worked out well for people, but it's uh I don't know, I was looking at my kids today, they're getting big, one of them is thirteen, and I was just thinking like what is you know how much of of the world like how is the world making you skeptical in ways that i wasn't raised to be skeptical and i think the answer is kind of
1: kind of a lot mhm it is there's a lot and there and it's interesting with social media coming into it we now are able to consume information from our peers on a pretty regular basis versus consuming information from say waiting for the news to come on at night Right, and so instead of having fewer sources, we have many sources, and we get to really choose who we're listening to. And I and I like to believe that folks are becoming more discerning, and I think that our critical thinking skills are sharpening a little bit. And folks are really, I, I think, feeling more empowered than ever to question maybe whatever status quo is out there. Right, this big nutrition trend is sweeping the nation, and I think folks are now feeling like they can take a breath and. Decide if it's right for them before they just dive into it.
0: I do see on Twitter culture like a lot more skepticism. You'll see these kind of clickbaity headlines like mm-hmm. "Eating bacon makes you more likely to die," and then people actually read the study and they're like, "Well, actually, you went into the ICU, and this is a very specific, you know, population, yes. and you know this, that, and the other thing, and you, it was actually seven people in the study." And I'm not <laughs> falling for this clickbait anymore. Like we're becoming. I hope we're becoming a little smarter. I went to my kids' school and did a big presentation on information hygiene. You know, the idea that, like, Mm. you have to only allow clean information into your body and your environment. And so, you know, it goes with nutrition and all things, I think. All right. Yep. Cassie Joy Garcia, your book has obviously provoked a lot of interest in me, (laughs) (laughs) as well as it's just a really smart way to cook. I... Personally, I think what I will do with your book is do the recipes and then freeze some of it. And then I will have some of my weekdays kind of more when the, you know, everything goes chaos, more in hand. So that I'm excited about. So thank you for, for all of these.
1: You are welcome. That's my style, too. I like to make a whole bunch and then freeze the leftovers so that we've got those rainy day, crazy day meals ready to go.
0: It's good. It's really important because uh, you know your 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 kid is still little, right? She is. She's just over a year. Yeah. So that's teeny tiny. What I, you know, <laughs> I find that you know sitting down with my kids at the end of the day and just having that face to face talking time while we're also very often just eating something that is reheated and a sliced cucumber. Yeah, it's not the fanciest meal, but it, it's so it's so important. And so thank you mm-hmm. for helping me do that.
1: Oh my goodness! It's my honor. All right. The book is Cook
0: Once, Eat All Week. Cassie Joy Garcia of Fed and Fit. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun way to spend my Saturday and I'm going to go track you on a hot cross bun now you've inspired me.
0: <laughs> They're good. It's a it's a happy day of the year. All right. When we come back, I'm going to have some coconut macaroon recipes for you and I will answer your questions. Text me 81807. Dara here. All right. Here's all the things that are going on. Have you looked at WCCORadio.com? Because we have some good coconut macaroon recipes. All right, I was trying to think. I was like, what could possibly bridge Easter Passover? Because my first thought it was like, oh, everyone's going to want to do Easter breads. But no, we're going to make everybody happy. That's the mandate here. My, every day I wake up, I'm like, how can I make every single person happy? Then I come here and that's what i'm trying to do. so i put together coconut macaroons. you know, they're the they're not the fancy french macaroons that are too hard to make and you should not make. i really i, <laughs> I make part of my new life mission to discourage people from extravagant french cooking projects. i don't know. i mean, somebody's got to make french macaroons, but does it have to be you? they're so difficult. they break. i don't know. i don't know. All right, but coconut macaroons are easy because you're just basically taking coconut and you're just kind of gluing it together with some fashion or other, and I love coconut. My mom used to make coconut coconut meringue pie all the time when I was a kid. That is a delicious thing. Coconut cream pie, thoroughly underrated. Wonderful, a wonderful dessert. So here are the recipes that are up at WCCORadio.com right now. And they are good. You can make them. They're easy. It's easy to make macaroons. They're kind of sturdy. All right, I got classic coconut macaroons. This is just the basic one, and what I like about the basic coconut macaroon is that you can make them a little less sweet. I don't want them so sweet as the ones in the can. Maybe the ones in the can are good. I often will have a can of them. I kind of think of them as energy bites, but less sweet, better. All right, and then I have our delightful author who was here earlier, Cassie Joy Garcia. She has some paleo coconut macaroons. So if you're, you know, just want a more healthy one and, you know, I got a link over to her website so you can go see all the stuff she's up to. But the paleo ones are, you know, they're both tasty and your paleo friends can eat them and you can have them for breakfast. I don't know. I think you can. And then I got a fancy one, Bon Appetit magazine, which I love. They came up with this very ambitious kind of coconut macaroon cake, and it just looks so pretty. Very easy to do. Another nice one, There's I've got a recipe for a blackberry pistachio coconut macaroon tart. So this looks very – when you go to the website, you'll see it. It looks very French and rustic. It's kind of chunky. looks like you could have it in the French countryside when you're biking around because you've got a basket that's straw in the front of your – you know those? You know, what, you know the life I'm talking about. That's the coconut macaroon for that life. You've got a straw basket with a baguette in it. You're just getting through the sunflower fields. That life. And then because clearly – you know, this calls for a cocktail. I put a coconut cocktail up there because I thought, eh, if somebody's having still a spring break, you want to have a little spring break up on your back in the patio, celebrate the fact that the sun is warm. I've got a nice recipe for that. You can make a little coconut simple syrup. It is not hard. And then that's a drink. All right, so now we have exciting ask-me-anything question part of the day. So here's what you, the listeners, are eating, cooking, doing, making awesome. So the braised leg of lamb is from Holy Land, that great uh, meat shop and Middle Eastern grocery store of all things in northeast Minneapolis. So braised leg of lamb from Holy Land with Greek potatoes. That sounds wonderful. We've got someone out there in the 763 making a Polish egg salad. That is a bold call, making egg salad the day before you get all your Easter eggs back. What? Are you just, I mean, you got to make your Polish egg salad on Monday with all the leftover Easter eggs. But still a bold call. I, I I support all cooking. Is Polish egg salad the one with radishes? My grandma used to make that. I love radish egg salad. That's delicious. All right. I've got someone who's making Italian Easter egg bread. My husband's grandma always made it, so trying to carry on the tradition. Oh, that's so amazing. I love the Easter breads that actually have the Easter eggs in them. That's excellent. I am clapping for you. I would clap into the microphone, but it's annoying. Oh, how good is that? Hooray for you. Oh, and I've got someone making grasshopper pie. Uh, The green tells us spring is here. That is a classic. All right, we're going to take a little commercial break. We're going to come back, we'll get to more of your texts. What are you cooking? No one is making that those famous saffron breads. All right, if you are, now's your time. Speak now or hold your peace till next year. Eight one eight zero seven. All right, Aunt Dara here. I am back. Oh, I've got someone out there making lemon bars and ganache covered brownies. That's a very nice silky chocolate. Ganache covered brownies for Easter brunch. Tomorrow, I'll bake the caramel rolls, egg and potato dishes. That's a hero in the 612, I'll tell you what. That is all the things. Homemade lemon bars. Love that to bits. And getting the caramel rolls done in the morning that's some pro – that's why you cook, people, is that one day you're going you're gonna to just keep raising your level of difficulty, and then there you are. You're going to be making lemon bars on Saturday and ganache-covered brownies, and then tomorrow, just like it ain't-no-thing, rolling out the caramel rolls. That is some impressive and just egg and potato dishes on the side. That's a hero. <laughs> I love that. All right, I got a question for a good sangria recipe, Pat in Hamburg. All right, Pat – I have to say that I'm really into a white sangria these days, and what I like to do is put in frozen peaches. Mmm, that's good. And then, you know, all the all the classic things. Uh, I get a question, am I really going to liquor board? Yeah, what I'm not pranking you. I'm gonna be there from, from one to three, helping people pick their Easter and Passover wines. That's where I am. Come see me. I will help you personally. Oh, I got someone whose sister in law is making Polish cheesecake for Easter tomorrow. I Polish descendants in the house. We got egg salad and cheesecake. Someone's making mom's carrot cake with the cream cheese frosting. I love that so much. Carrots on Easter. All right, folks. Next week, Beth Dooley. You've had, you know Beth Dooley. She's a legend. She lives here in town. She's got a new book, Sweet Nature, A Cook's Guide to Using Honey and Maple Syrup. I am really interested in the idea that maple syrup is going to help us with climate change. Plant more trees. I'm all about maple syrup. Um, if you have all the maple syrup because you're tapping your own trees, you're not going to want to miss next week. All right. Till then, see you at Liquor Boy. And may your all, all your Easter bunnies hop to it and all your Passover horseradish keep its bite. And I will meet you here next week on Off the Menu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,